Chapter Thirty One of Six Months in Mexico by Nellie Bly. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. The Romance of the Mexican Pulque. The Mogway plant is put to as many uses by the Mexicans as the cocoa palm is by the South Sea Islanders. All around Mexico, even on the barren plains where nothing else can exist, it grows in abundance. Its leaves are ten and more feet in length, a foot in breadth, and about eight inches thick. Of course, there are smaller and larger growths according to their age. After collecting strength for about seven years, it sprouts from the center a giant flower stalk, twenty or thirty feet high, on which often cluster three thousand flowers of a greenish-yellow color. These wonderful plants in bloom along the plains form one of the most magnificent sights in Mexico. At the very least, forty have been seen at one place, each vying with the other, to put forth the most beauty. A prince named Papautzin, of the noble blood of the Toltec, discovered some fluid in a plant whose flowering spike had been accidentally broken off. After saving it for some time, he had the curiosity to taste it, and that taste was not only delicious to him, but was destined to moisten the throat and muddle the brain of the Mexicans for generations and generations, and to cause the curious and ever-inquiring tourist to do like the whale did at the taste of Jonah. This noble prince was not like an Eastern Yankee. He did not keep his mouth shut until he obtained a patent. If he had, telephones and gas wells would be nowhere in comparison as a money-making scheme. He kindly sent some to his sovereign by his beautiful daughter, Hochitl, the flower of Tolan. The noble king drank and looked, looked and drank. The more he drank, the more he liked the stuff. The more he looked, the more he liked the girl. So he kept her, a willing prisoner, and their son was placed upon the throne. Generations after generations rolled by lovely Hochitl. The king, their son, and the illustrious discoverer had solved the wonderful problem. The mogwe plant was cultivated by thousands, and oceans of its fluid had gone down the throats of the natives. This was the origin of the Mexican national drink pulque. No estimate can be formed of the amount used, but it is enormous. It is simply water for the natives, and a pulque shop graces almost invariably every corner in the cities. As stated in a former chapter, these shops are the finest decorated places in Mexico. Superb paintings of all scenes grace the interior and exterior. Flags float gracefully over the doors, and customers are always plenty. Men, women, and children can be seen constantly drinking from clay pitchers of a generous size, for the full of which they pay but two cents. No respectable Mexican would enter a pulque shop but they all drink it at every meal. The mogway is planted at the interval of three yards apart, and in such a manner that every way you look across an estate, the plants run in a straight line. They thrive in almost any soil, and after planting need no more attention until the time of flowering, which is anywhere from six to ten years. The Indians know by infallible signs just when the flowering stem will appear, and at that time they cut out the whole heart, leaving only a thick outside, which forms a natural basin. Into this the sap continually oozes, and it is removed twice, sometimes thrice a day, by a peon, 
who sucks it into his mouth and then ejects it into the jar he carries on his back. As soon as the plant exhausts all this sap, which was originally intended to give strength and life to the flowering stem, it dies, and is replaced by innumerable suckers from the old root. Great care must be exercised in cutting the plant, if the least too soon or too late, it is the death of it. When first extracted, the sap is extremely sweet, from which it derives its name, aguamiel, honey water. Some of this is fermented for fifteen and twenty-five days, when it is called Madre Pulque, the mother of pulque. This is distributed in very small quantities among different pigskins. Then the fresh is poured on it, and in twenty-four hours it is ready for sale. Plants ready to cut are valued at about five dollars, but an established mogway ground will produce a revenue of ten thousand to fifteen thousand dollars per annum. Pulque is brought to town in pig and goat skins. It has a peculiar sour milkish taste and smells exactly like hop yeast. From the mild pulque is distilled a rum called mezcal. It is of a lovely brown golden color and very pleasant to the taste. One can drink it all night, be as drunk as a lord, and have no big head in the morning. If it was once introduced into the States, nothing else would be used, for no difference how much is drank, the head is as clear and bright as the teetotalers in the morning. Nor is this the only use of the plant. Poor people roof their huts with the leaves, placing one on the other like shingles. The hollowed leaf serves as a trough for conducting the water. The sharp thorns are stripped off, leaving the fibers attached, and the natives use them as a needle, already threaded. Paper is made from the pulp of the leaves, and twine and thread from their fibers. The twine is woven into rugs, mats, sacks, ropes, harness, even to the bits, and dainty little purses which tourists buy up like precious articles. The wonderful productive powers of this plant do not end here. The expensive coquinil bug, used for coloring purposes and for paint, counts this mogwai its foster mother. On its wide leaves does it live externally and internally until the gatherer comes and plucks it off, probably to color some dainty maid's gown in the far distant land or tint some sky of an artist's dream. Yet mogwai thinks it has not done enough for mortals and it accomplishes one more thing for which the Mexicans would treasure its memory, but Americans would gladly excuse it. Clinging to the shadiest side, in a childlike confidence, is a long green worm, similar to the unkillable cabbage worm of the States. Peons, in a gentle manner, so as not to crush or hurt, pluck these tender young things, and, putting them in a vessel, bring the fruits of their work to town. Nothing can be compared to the way and haste in which people buy them. Fried in butter, a little brown milk gravy around, and they set on the table as the greatest delicacy of all Mexican dishes. It is needless to add that the natives eat them with wonderful relish, and are quick to say, We know what these dainty things are, but you folks eat oysters. End of chapter 31 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista